Hello and welcome to MacPreneur, the show that helps entrepreneurs from all around the world run their business on Apple Gear. My name is Damien Schroers and here we go for today's episode. So in today's show, I'll explore the main announcements that Apple made on June 3, 2019 during the keynote at their annual Worldwide Developer Conference, aka WWDC. Uh, from new hardware to the next versions of all their operating systems, I'll share with you my take on what it means for us Macpreneurs. But before diving in, I just wanted to thank you for listening to the show. I truly appreciate you fitting the Macpreneur podcast in your busy life. If it's your first time, welcome to the Macpreneur tribe. You're joining listeners located all around the world. And if you're listening for a while now, I'm super grateful that you're sticking with me. Either way, my goal is to help you operate your Apple devices faster and be more productive even between episodes. This is why I've prepared 30 tips 3-0, for your iPhone and Mac. To sign up for this free email course, just visit macpreneur.com forward slash tips. So now let's dive into today's topic. I'll, I'll give you a quick overview of what was announced at uh, WWDC 19. So there was a new hardware, a new modular Mac Pro and a 32-inch 6K Retina external monitor. And then Apple announced also the, the next versions of their operating system. So iOS 13 for iPhone and iPod Touch, iPad OS 13 for iPad. Yes, I will talk a little bit more on that in a minute. Uh, TV OS 13, Watch OS 6 and Mac OS 10.15 Catalina. And all of these uh, versions and uh, the hardware as well will be available starting in fall uh, this year, so 2019. Okay, so let's start with uh, Pro hardware. So uh, Anna, Apple has uh, revealed their 2019 Mac Pro, which is, let's say, si six years after the, the previous model previous model if you if you're not familiar with it it's a round black round uh, Mac with almost yeah no uh, modularity and it was called the, the trash can design and um, now with the latest Mac Pro they are back to a tower design that was inspired by the uh, previous uh, Mac Pro which was also called the, the, the cheese grater version. Uh, Apple has really listened to their pro customer base and they even hired a bunch of uh, professionals to work on real projects inside Apple so that they re would really understand the needs of uh, professionals. So they, they had music studios, uh, video production studios, and uh, the, the, the big advantage of having those people in-house was that they could actually stop the project and then the Apple engineers would be able to, to see what was happening, what, what were the bottlenecks 
And so uh, they were really able to fully understand how uh, professional work and what the, the, the problems were with, uh, with a computer or even with, uh, with macOS and, uh, and iOS. The, so I said it's a modular design. It means that uh, now there will be a possibility to manually change the memory, the RAM, and there will be uh, so there will be 12 user accessible slots for the RAM. I will talk a little bit later of maximum RAM. It's uh, it's um, really impressive, and they will also have uh, eight PCI Express expansion slots for graphic cards and, and, and others. So it's really a clever design because um, so there is a handle that opens and closes the the enclosure, and when you turn the handle to open it. You can use it as well to lift the, the case of, of the Mac Pro. The, there will be feet and uh, in addition to that you can fit wheels to the feet so that it's easier to, to move the Mac Pro around and they will even offer a rack mountable version of the Mac Pro. So really they are covering uh, all, the, all the bases. In terms of uh, uh, ports, there will be four uh, Thunderbolt 3 ports, two on top of the tower enclosure, so easily accessible, and two at the back. And in addition to that, at the back, there will be two USB-A ports and two 10 gigabit Ethernet ports. So really uh, a machine designed for, for, for production environments. So it's not it's not cheap. It's starting at six thousand dollars for only I would say the eight core Intel Xeon processor, thirty two gigs of RAM, and only two fifty six gigabyte of SSD. I, I don't think uh, this model will be sold a lot, and we're talking about without screen. So. That's a, that's a hefty uh, starting price. So it's, a, it's the beast of a machine because you can go with up to 28 core Intel Xeon processor and it can accommodate <laughs> all down 1.5 terabyte of RAM. So the iMac Pro, for instance, is uh, limited to 256 gigs. And in terms of uh, GPUs, the, the the upcoming Mac Pro will be able to support up to four GPUs in parallel. And if it was not enough, Apple has developed a proprietary card called Afterburner that will uh, accelerate uh, ProRes and ProRes RAW codecs. So in, in applications like Final Cut Pro uh, 10, Quick, QuickTime Player 10 and uh, other uh, supported third-party apps. So for whom is this uh, new Mac Pro? Well, it's for hardcore professionals who really need, I would say, out of this world processing power. So we're really talking about here, about movie production sets, music recording studios, multi-platform app and game developers, and uh, the like. So basically it's uh, for people and for companies that need more power than what the fully-spec iMac Pro 
can offer today or for companies who want really the modularity and for which really time is worth more than the money that they will spend on hardware. Uh, as I said, if, if you don't know whether you need it or not, you don't. <laughs> and um, it's a bit like the iMac Pro, except that in this case, if you really don't need that much power and the modularity, the iMac Pro will be more than enough. And uh, actually, for about the same price as the most basic upcoming Mac Pro, you will get twice the amount of RAM, so you have, you'll get 62 gigs of RAM and one terabyte of SSD instead of 256 gigabyte, as well as a built-in 5K display. So uh, myself, uh, I don't need uh, the, the I don't even need the iMac Pro. I think uh, the traditional iMac is is sufficient for my needs. So yeah, that's um, it, it's a machine that. I would say that is really reserved for uh, for production environments that really need uh, insane uh, amount of uh, computing uh, power. And so, if it was not enough to go alongside this uh, new Mac Pro, uh, Apple developed a new 32-inch uh, 6K Retina monitor, which they call Pro Display XDR. And why the XDR? Because it will be extreme HDR. So it goes beyond what high dynamic range means uh, in a monitor. In terms of brightness, it'll be, it will be twice as bright as what the iMac Pro and the MacBook Pro can offer. So if, you're, uh, if, if, you, if you like numbers, it will be 1000 nits, which is the unit of, of brightness over a given surface, compared to the, uh, so the iMac Pro and the MacBook Pro are at 500 nits. And uh, the Pro Display XDR will be able to sustain 1000 nits forever. And it can even go uh, and have peaks up to 1600 nits for a short period of time. Um, yeah, it's uh, again, it's the same as uh, as the the new Mac Pro. It's a display for uh, for professionals in uh, uh, movie uh, production sets or really uh, heavy duty uh, photography. Uh, it starts at five thousand dollars with a basic stand, and uh, Apple uh, revealed a, a pro stand, so a special stand. Uh, with which you can adjust the height and the inclination of the screen and you can even rotate the screen uh, 180 degrees to go from uh, landscape mode to uh, portrait uh, mode. And guess what? This stand will cost alone will cost $1,000. So if you want the, this, this display with the pro stand, it will uh, cost as much as the lowest model for the Mac Pro itself. Uh, yeah, so as I said, this is for professionals who need really extreme color accuracy through the entire uh, video production process. So that's it for the hardware part of the announcement. So now let's switch to uh, operating system and, and, uh, and apps and so on. 
So, and let's start with iOS 13. Uh, Apple insisted uh, and was <laughs> proud of uh, showing us a dark mode on the uh, on the iPhone. Well, it's uh, it's a nice uh, feature, but uh, what is what I like is um, like with uh, Mojave, you can uh, configure uh, the um, uh, to switch from uh, uh, dark mode to bright mode. So that's uh, that, that's good. Uh, what they will uh, introduce with iOS 13 is a new uh, swipe capability with the keyboard. They will call it a quick path, so you will really be able to to swipe across the keyboard uh, to to instead of just typing with the finger. Uh, what I really am looking forward to is uh, adding attachments to uh, calendar events, and you can, you will be also be able to do that with reminders. Uh, and talking about reminders, it will be possible to tag uh, contacts to a specific reminder. And by doing so, whenever you will be uh, messaging that person, there will be a notification uh, coming automatically, reminding you about the thing that uh, you have put in, in reminders. So it's, uh, it's an interesting uh, new feature. And uh, something that I'm looking forward to is the fact that uh, they will bring a, a functionality similar to 3D Touch, but for uh, devices that do not support 3D Touch, like, like my iPhone XR and uh, the iPad. And it will be called Quick Actions. And that means that when we will long press on an app icon uh, on the home screen, then we will have access to uh, possible actions, the same way that uh, 3D Touch is working on the, on the iPhone 8, 7, uh, 10, uh, 10, 10S and uh, 10S Max. A bunch of uh, improvements will come uh, to the Photos app, and um, one of which is that the browsing experience through the Photos tab has been uh, improved, so now you will be able to switch from days to months to uh, two years and uh, automatically photos will be grouped by similar photos so that it will be actually something that's closer to a photo album so it will remove clutter for for us and in addition to that if we scroll and there are some videos or live photos they will automatically play so it was uh, interesting to see that in the in the keynote but what is for me most more interesting is that there will be additional uh, photo editing capabilities uh, like noise reduction, sharpen, white balance, and even applying vignette directly to photos. And uh, guess what? All those editing capabilities will also be available for videos now. So before with iOS, now with iOS 12, at the time of recording, the only thing we can do with videos is uh, trim them. And even when you trim a video, the, the only thing you can do is cancel or save as new clips. So uh, we will end up with two videos, the original one and the one uh, that is clipped. And uh, so now, not only do we have all the editing capabilities, almost all of the editing capabilities as with photos, but they are even uh, non-destructive. 
Uh, yeah, so this that's really great uh, for Safari. Now we'll have per site settings for the camera, microphone, and the location access, on top of what we had before. And um, a big improvement: there will be finally, I would say, finally a download manager in Safari for iOS. And for people who, who upload pictures directly from Safari there will be an option to uh, resize the photo. So to, to decide the quality and the size of the picture that we upload directly from Safari. Another big improvement, uh, a set of improvements have been made to the Files app. And so finally, the Files app in iOS 13 will be able to natively read and write to external drives, USB keys and SD cards. There was a, an article that I found where someone uh, tried to, to put a bunch of external hard drives. When they were uh, needing a bit too much power, it was not working, so they had to, to use a, a special uh, dongle where they would be able to attach the USB drive and also plug in uh, Lightning or USB-C. But uh, still, being able to read and write uh, directly from external drives. It's a, it's a great and, and welcome improvement. And uh, in addition to that, it will be possible to import photos right into an application. And uh, so without needing to go through the Photos app, and that will be uh, especially useful for people who use uh, Lightroom, for instance. So you, if you use Lightroom, you'll be able, with iOS 13, to directly uh, import photos from an SD card, for instance. In addition to that, we will be able to connect to file servers over uh, SMB. We'll be able to do to zip and unzip files natively. And uh, with iCloud Drive, finally, we'll get the uh, ability to share folders. Up until uh, now, or up until iOS 12, the only thing we could do was to share individual files. We could not uh, share folder. And finally, this is uh, coming to iOS 13. Um, throughout the keynote, Apple uh, talked about privacy and security. And so here are a few features that they've introduced for iOS 13. And actually, uh, one the, the one I will talk about here, sign-in with Apple, will go even across uh, multiple OS and including uh, uh, on the web and, and on. And so uh, with uh, macOS, it's uh, so sign-in with Apple is a kind of uh, is a feature similar to what we have now with sign-in with Facebook, uh, sign-in with uh, Google, but with privacy in mind in the sense that um, we can choose whether or not we give uh, our e name or email address. And if the email address is required, for instance, by the developer, Apple has put in place a system so that we could use a kind of dummy uh, email address. So Apple will generate a random email address which will uh, forward to our private email address so and and that uh, randomized email address will be generated on a per app basis so even 
the same person signing in with Apple for different apps, those email addresses will be different. All forwarding to our uh, the email address associated with our Apple ID. So this is a, a nice feature and uh, they're going uh, even further than that. Uh, if an app developer submits an app that has already signed in with Google or signed in with Facebook, they will be required to add sign in with Apple on top as the first option if they want to have their app uh, distributed through the App Store. So yeah, they, they, they really, really are serious now uh, and they show they, it's a bit like a you can you can say to the world that you care about privacy but this is really a step where they show okay this is what we are doing now to protect the privacy of our of our users and it's not only with uh, uh, email it's also with uh, location tracking so now finally we'll have the option for uh, to give an app uh, only for just once the ability to track our location before we we it's either we said we said yes or no and if we said yes we had to go to the settings and uh, change uh, uh, this but uh, with ios 13 we will be able to say no no yes i accept but just this once and then uh, not anymore and for the apps to which we have given uh, our consent for tracking our location they will check how this app is uh, using that privilege and so if an app is abusing the privilege of location tracking we'll get from ios 13 some alerts so this is uh, this is really great and they also realized that some applications were uh, using uh, information about the wi-fi network we were connected to or the bluetooth uh, devices that were connected to the to the to the iPhone as a way to to track us and uh, iOS 13 will uh, bring built-in protection for Wi-Fi and Bluetooth tracking uh, the the last feature that is in the privacy and, and security uh, section is that um, even without internet access if you lose a device and so there is the device does, is not connected to Wi-Fi or doesn't have 3G or 4G connection. Um, the device will beam its location uh, using Bluetooth uh, to nearby Apple devices. And if a stranger's Apple device happened to pass next to that lost device, uh, there will be an, an encrypted relay. Uh, that will be sent to iCloud servers, to Apple servers. And so we'll be able to, to track a device even if it's not connected to the internet. Now, it's, it's better than what we have today. But if someone wants to steal a device, now in addition to removing the SIM card or uh, turning off Wi-Fi, that person will turn off Bluetooth. And uh, yeah, without Bluetooth, that functionality doesn't work, but still, it's better uh, in case of a lost device. And uh, now we'll talk uh, quickly about some uh, 
miscellaneous uh, new features in iOS 13. So Siri Shortcuts, the, the app that allows to uh, do some automation on iPhone and iPad, this app will be installed by default on iOS 13. So it will bring really automation to the masses. Uh, native third-party font support will, uh, will uh, appear in, on iOS 13. So no need anymore to install an app and install a certificate and uh, there will be a, a font manager in, included natively in iOS 13. Um, it will be possible to share audio uh, to a second set of nearby AirPods, so that's also good. And for people uh, like me who, who use CarPlay, who connect their iPhone uh, via USB to, to, their, to their car display, the, the dashboard of, uh, of CarPlay will be much more functional. And now it will be possible to have multiple apps displaying information at once. Uh, something that's really annoying uh, at the moment is that, uh, let's say that uh, yeah, I have Waze, I use Waze uh, to, for navigation, but uh, let's say, so my wife is driving and I'm on the, on the passenger seat and I open my iPhone, I swipe out of, of Waze and I go to Safari. Well, on the screen, on the dashboard screen of CarPlay in the car, suddenly Waze disappears. And uh, that's really annoying. So that means that for the moment with iOS 12, when, I, when my phone is used for navigation, I cannot use my phone at all in the car. And with iOS 13, uh, it will not be a problem anymore. And um, finally, also, there will be a USB and Bluetooth mouse support. Um, it will not be uh, activated by default. Uh, it, it will be an accessibility feature, but it's there. So it will be possible to, to drive. It will not be a mouse cursor like we see on the, on the Mac. It will be more like a, like a round, uh, yeah, like a, like a circle. But uh, yes, it will be possible to actually use uh, a mouse to uh, move a, a rounded uh, cursor across the screen. Uh, that is really, that is for me more, in, more interesting for the iPad than the iPhone, but uh, I mentioned it, it's, it's compatible with iPhone as well. Uh, it, it's a, there, were, there are so many new features. I will not go, uh, it's not possible to go through all of them, but I found a, a nice video from Apple Insider that is showing actually 200 plus of the new features of iOS 13. I will put a link in the show notes uh, available at macpro.com forward slash episode 37. This is really a, an interesting uh, a video to look at. In terms of compatibility, what the devices that will not be compatible with iOS 13 are the iPhone 5S, the 6 and 6 Plus, as well as the iPod Touch 6 generation. So those devices who are compatible with iOS 12 will lose compatibility with iOS 13. So compatibility with iOS 13 from the iPhone SE and 6S onward and uh, for the iPod Touch it's only the the one that was released a few weeks ago so the 2019 iPod Touch 7 generation 
will be compatible with iOS 13. So I didn't mention the iPad because uh, on stage Apple introduced iPadOS 13, which is iOS 13, uh, on top of which they have uh, added uh, specific features for the iPad. In fact, it was already the case before, so the iPad was already running a different version of iOS uh, than the iPhone, but this time they explicitly acknowledge that there is a difference, and, and I think it's more a message for developers that, uh, look, uh, don't think about developing uh, an application for the iPhone, and then as an afterthought, how can we make it uh, compatible with the iPad? It's more, okay, no, let's develop an app and decide whether it's iPad only or iPad and iPhone, but if we develop it uh, for an iPad, we have to think about a different operating system, actually a different experience and environment. So yes, iPadOS 13, so it's everything that I've talked about now uh, about iOS 13, so all this applies. And in addition to that, we will be able to pin the today view and the widgets to the left of the home screen. So it's uh, it's getting uh, we're getting closer, I would say, to uh, to to macOS territory. We will be able to put more apps and folder icons on the home screen with iPadOS 13. And really, for me, the biggie is uh, multitasking. So now, like in macOS, apps on iPad will be able to have multiple instances of themselves running at the same time. So multiple notes windows, multiple uh, mail windows, any app that you think about, they could have multiple windows running at the same time. And so to get a sense of that and to be able to, to find uh, our, our app windows, uh, Apple has introduced App Exposé, which is very similar to the Exposé feature of macOS. So the ability of seeing at a glance all the different, all the different uh, windows that are opened uh, currently. Uh, what is really great about uh, this uh, multitasking is that uh, now uh, with split view, we will be able to have two windows side by side, either from the same app or from two different apps. And um, so imagine we, we could have one node open next to a Safari window and another node open next to a mail uh, window and a third node opened on its own. And uh, as with iOS uh, 12 right now, when we use split view, and because we, we can only have one instance of an app, if we have notes next to Safari and we want note, a note next to mail, we have to break this uh, split view uh, configuration. With iOS 13, uh, not anymore. We'll be able to keep some pairs of windows and open new windows from apps uh, uh, in alongside what we currently have. So just really, really getting closer to um, macOS experience on an iPad. 
but with features that don't exist on the Mac, on macOS. So, for instance, slide over, which helps having a third window on top, a floating uh, window on top of uh, the two windows that we that we may have. And um, now, slide over. It, with slide over, it will be easier to switch. Uh, between apps that are in slide over mode. So we will just need to swipe from the bottom like on an iPhone XS, XR, XS Max. So it's um, it's really also a welcome uh, improvement. So everything that I talked about, the Files app, we'll get it with the iPad. And on top of that, we'll get a new column view. So to navigate from folder and seeing the folder, subfolder, subsubfolder, like on macOS, with also a preview pane and the ability to do quick actions to files. So we'll be able to see the metadata of the files and be able to do quick actions on files like on macOS. The, for productivity, there will be much more keyboard shortcuts with iOS 13. And uh, they, they showed that just for Safari alone, there will be 30 additional keyboard shortcuts. So it's really, really impressive. Now, um, if you use an Apple Pencil, you will notice, uh, you will most probably notice an improvement as well because the latency has been uh, decreased from 20 milliseconds to 9 milliseconds. So more than uh, half or less than half the current uh, latency. So it will be great for artists and people who, who draw uh, for a living. So as I said, coupled with all the features, the new features of iOS 13, um, and especially, I can't wait to test this mouse support, the iPad is now getting closer to uh, a laptop experience. If you remember in a previous episode of Macpreneur, I was uh, saying that I had the impression that I had my, my hands tied in my back when I was trying to use my iPad mini 4. Uh, for 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 productivity, uh, and uh, now I hope that with uh, mouse support it will be a much better experience. So the devices that will lose compatibility with uh, iOS 13, so that that are that will be stuck at iOS 12, are the iPad Air 1, the iPad Mini 2, and the iPad Mini 3. So those devices, if you have those devices, you will be stuck at iOS 12. Um, compatibility with iOS 13, the, the, the fifth generation iPad and, and up, iPad Air 2, iPad Air 3, iPad Mini 4 and 5, and all the iPad Pros. So that's it for, the, for iPhone and, and iPad. Now for tvOS, uh, quickly, finally, uh, they will bring uh, multi-users support. So you'll be able to quickly switch between Apple IDs, and so the, the contents, the, the, the preferences of music uh, the, and, and, and videos and so on, it will uh, really change by switching from one user to another. Um, if you like playing games on the Apple TV, uh, now it will gain compatibility with third-party game controllers, uh, namely the Xbox One S, and the PlayStation DualShock 4. And I did not mention it, but actually, because tvOS is uh, 
cousin, a very close cousin of iOS 13, of iOS. Uh, this, co this compatibility with Xbox, Xbox One S and PlayStation DualShock 4 will also be brought to the iPhone, to the iPad, and to the iPod Touch. So it will be possible to use those game controllers to play on your iPad, for instance. In terms of compatibility, nothing changes. It's only the fourth generation Apple TV, either the 1080p version of the 4K models, that will be compatible with tvOS 13. Next up, uh, watchOS 6. Uh, the biggest feature for me is that there will be a dedicated app store uh, running directly on the watch. So it's one step uh, closer to uh, getting, uh, let's say, removing the ties with the iPhone. It's still, the Apple Watch and WatchOS is still uh, strongly linked to, to iOS. But having an app store directly on the watch will mean means that we don't need to use the iPhone to, to download apps and that developers now they can offer watch only apps they're not obliged to develop a full featured iphone app in order to offer an apple watch app apple will be bringing new native apps to the to the watch so the audiobooks app will be available voice memos will come on the watch and a calculator so the native calculator will come to the watch with a, a tip calculator. So there will be a tip calculator and also a split bill calculator. So it is uh, they demoed that uh, on the screen uh, during, uh, on stage during the keynote. Uh, for health and fitness, which is one of the biggest uh, use case for having an Apple Watch, a new app is called the Noise App that will be able to monitor the surrounding noise level and even, even alert us if the, the, the amount of decibels is too, is too big around us. And then for ladies, there will be a new cycles app uh, to track uh, menstrual uh, cycles. Compatibility, all watch that are capable of running watchOS 5 will be able to upgrade to watchOS 6. So it's, we're talking about uh, Apple Watch Series 1 and beyond. Next, let's go to, to the Mac with the next version of macOS, the 10.15 Catalina, which is a small island in, in California. So for some of their native apps, they have brought the same improvement as what they have done with iOS 13. So for instance, the Photos app and all the new editing capabilities and, and the way to browse the library, this will come to macOS as well for the reminders app, all the improvements that they've made, it will come as well as for calendar. What will be coming to the Mac, coming, uh, coming to the Mac from iOS is screen time. So now uh, with Catalina, we'll be able to, to, uh, to monitor our screen time across uh, devices, including our Macs. And then, if you have an iPad, but an iPad capable of running iOS 13, you will be able, through a technology that they call Sidecar, you will be able to use an iPad natively as a second monitor through USB or AirPlay. For the time being, 
uh, you would need a special solution to buy software or to buy even software and a dongle if you wanted to do that. But with uh, macOS Catalina and iOS 13, this will be uh, accessible. This, you will be able to do that natively without third-party solutions. The obvious uh, uh, advantage of doing that is that you'll be able to use your Apple Pencil on your iPad to draw on an app that is running on your Mac. So basically, you will be able to use an iPad instead of a Wacom tablet. So let's see uh, rega regarding the latency. Let's, uh, I think this is why one of the reasons why they, they, they brought down the latency, the latency of the Apple Pencil from 20 milliseconds to 9 milliseconds because uh, in addition to the Apple Pencil latency, there is also the Bluetooth latency. And so let's see if um, really the experience of drawing on your iPad using an, a macOS app will be a, actually a, a great experience. And as I said, you, you will need an iPad that can run iPadOS 13. So on the Mac, uh, on the security side, uh, all apps in order to run on uh, macOS Catalina will require notarization. So notarization is the process by which uh, developers need to submit their app to Apple for review and malware uh, scanning. Even those apps that will not be sold through the Mac App Store. So we're talking about even an app that we can download directly from, uh, uh, from the, the developer's uh, uh, web page. So any, the apps, any app, will need to go through that notarization process. It's not clear if we, will, we as the user will be able to make exceptions to uh, gatekeepers. So gatekeeper is currently the, the, the protection mechanism that, that is in, on the Mac. And for the, moment, I, for the moment, if an app, for instance, has not been signed uh, by, by a developer, as not a valid uh, certificate or is not signed, we can uh, right-click on an app, then click on open, and um, tell a gatekeeper that we want an exception for that specific app. So we take a risk. Uh, we take a risk installing uh, that application, but we have the uh, possibility to actually uh, go around and quote-unquote whitelist an app in gatekeeper. It's not clear uh, if it will be possible, uh, starting with uh, macOS Catalina, for app that will that didn't go through the notarization process. Another uh, interesting improvement in security-wise is that uh, iCloud activation lock will uh, come now for Macs equipped with a T2 chip. So we're talking about the latest Mac Mini, MacBook Air, and MacBook Pros as well as the iMac Pro and the upcoming uh, Mac Pro. So we'll have similar capability as uh, um, similar protection as with what we have today with for the iPhone and the iPad. That uh, it means that uh, the device will be locked to our Apple ID. And even if someone tries to erase the device and reinstall macOS, uh, 
the, they won't be able to uh, reinstall it, uh, to actually to reactivate it unless they enter the password of the Apple ID, the Apple account, the iCloud account that is uh, configured on the device. Um, so the, these were the new features of macOS Catalina. Now, unfortunately, there are a few things that will disappear or that will not uh, run anymore. So first of all, RIP iTunes. So iTunes will die with Catalina. No more iTunes. It will be replaced by three separate apps. Uh, the music app, the podcast app, and the TV app. So the, the music app will inherit all, so your own music library, and will give access to Apple Music. The podcast app will get all your podcast subscriptions. The TV app will get all your uh, video, your own video collection, as well as the movies and the TV series that you have purchased uh, through iTunes. Now, if you had audiobooks in iTunes, they will migrate automatically to the Books app. And, uh, and because iTunes was used to backup, to restore, and to sync uh, our mobile devices with the Mac, because now we, don't, we won't have iTunes anymore, uh, it will actually be possible to still do these operations, but directly from the Finder. So when we'll connect the iPhone to the Mac, instead of iTunes popping up, which sometimes it's a bit annoying, but now nothing will happen actually. So in order to see to see uh, and to see if the, the device has needs to be updated or if you want to sync or restore or back, back it up, we'll fire up Finder and then in the sidebar on the left, you will see your iPhone on your iPad. So no big deal there we won't lose functionality but it will be split in the different uh, smaller applications for windows uh, itunes will not will still uh, be available on windows we don't know for how much time but uh, i think as long as there is a capability for iOS devices to be backed up and synced and restored from a computer. I don't see why Apple would kill uh, iTunes for Windows uh, soon. I think that's that's gonna Apple is will continue uh, developing it. Something else that won't run anymore with uh, Catalina are 32-bit apps. So there was already. Uh, already starting starting with iSierra and then Mojave there were already some uh, warning messages now it will be finished any 32-bit app installed on a Mac running Mojave won't run with Catalina and uh, examples of 32-bit apps are Office 2011. So if you're still relying of, of, on Office 2011, you haven't bought Office 2016 and you're, you don't have uh, Office 365, then uh, don't upgrade because Office 2011 will not work. Older 
applications from Apple like iDVD and iMovie 9 won't work either because they are 32-bit apps and then uh, if you used uh, Text Wrangler version 5 from, from the Mac App Store this one will not run anymore so there, and there are other other 32-bit apps that won't run to check whether you have 32-bit apps running on your Mac right now so instead of simply clicking on the Apple uh, button uh, Apple menu in the top uh, top left corner of your screen you press alt and then you keep alt pressed and you and you key and you click on the Apple menu and the about this Mac will actually be replaced by system information so alt and you click on the Apple menu system information scroll down to the software section in the sidebar click on applications wait a little bit because depending on how many applications you have on your Mac it might take a while to populate and once you will see all your applications the last column is the 64-bit uh, column so you click on it to sort them and everything that says no for 64 bits will not run with Catalina so have a look at all the applications all the things that is on that uh, no all those applications that are not 64-bit compatible and uh, you'll see whether or not uh, you need to upgrade some of the apps that you have or stay a little bit longer on uh, Mojave uh, knowing that actually with macOS uh, you still you'll still have two years of uh, software updates and especially security updates for your Mac compatibility of uh, macOS Catalina any Mac produced since 2012 will be able to run Catalina so I think apart from some older Mac Pros so from 2010 uh, yeah 2010 Mac Pros with special graphics card or special options I don't don't remember now exactly but uh, those that are those that were compatible with Mojave will not be compatible with uh, Catalina but for normal so the MacBook Airs, the MacBook Pros, Mac Minis and so on if you look at it and it says mid 2012 or late 2012 it will work if it says 2011 or earlier it will not work now alongside those uh, generic uh, operating systems uh, announcements there were some announcements for that that are particularly use uh, interesting for developers so there were two things that i noted uh, the first one is called project catalyst it's a it's a it's a capability it's a it's a functionality that allows to easily port or yeah convert an iPad application to the Mac and internally Apple has used this catalyst this project catalyst to move the podcast app from the iPad to the Mac as well as the TV app so those two apps that will appear now uh, with Catalina and replace uh, iTunes those are coming 
from the iPad using that project catalyst. And that will be available for any developer. So Apple is actually hoping that with that uh, technology, that uh, developers who, who have great iPad apps will now may or may now consider uh, getting that app onto the Mac as well. The second uh, big announcement for developers, or at least the announcement that they made during the keynote, uh, it's, uh, let's remember uh, it's, it's WWDC, so it's a worldwide developer conference. It was one week uh, full of workshops and for developers, but at least in the in the public for the for the for the public announcements for non-developers, they announced uh, Swift UI which is a, a user interface design layer directly on top of the, the Swift framework. So Swift, which is one of the programming languages that Apple has actually open sourced. And uh, um, until now we had to use, or developers had to use other two, two different uh, UI designs, whether it was a Mac app or it was a, an iOS app. And now with uh, Swift UI, the um, I, 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 let's say I'm not a developer, so I cannot fully judge uh, the significance of it. But what I what I understood is that it looks like it will uh, be easier to develop uh, cross-platform applications. So iPhone, iPad Watch, Apple Watch, and Apple TV, or iPad and Mac, or iPhone, iPad and Mac. So it's uh, this is what I what I understood. Uh, the other thing that I understood that is that it will lower the barrier to entry for the next generation of app developers. Okay, future will tell. I think the motivation for Apple to do that is to keep, they really clearly want to keep uh, iOS or the, the OS running on the iPhone and the OS running on the iPad separate from the OS running on, on the Mac. Unlike uh, Microsoft, who decided to have the same code base for all the devices, Apple, their strategy seems to be, no, let's keep uh, different code bases, but let's help developers uh, bridge the gap easier. So, and what they hope is that uh, iPhone or iOS developers will be able, without hiring uh, new resources, hiring new uh, special, yeah, specialists, Mac specialists, to uh, more easily get a macOS version of the app uh, than right now. Because for the, for the time being, those iOS developers, they, they realize maybe it's, it's too difficult to go from iOS to macOS. And uh, hopefully with uh, Swift UI and, and Project Catalyst, it will be easier for them to develop for the Mac platform as well. Okay, so that was uh, roughly the, 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 these were the announcements. A question that you might ask yourself is, okay, should I install the beta version? And uh, so Let's first of all, there, there are two flavors of the beta version. There is the, the developer beta and there will, there will be the public beta. So the developer beta 
is only for people who pay the $99 annual fee to access the developer program. So unless you're an app developer, don't touch this. And it's the buggiest version. Uh, the, the developer beta is always the buggiest one. The public beta is for anyone willing to take a risk discovering bugs, but also the new features, right? If you want to, to see before anyone else what the new features will look like, yes, uh, go ahead with the public beta, but uh, there will be bugs. And actually, Apple is an application that allows uh, easily to, to report bugs. So if you want to go the public beta route, I would say do it also thinking about helping Apple whenever you discover a bug. Uh, the next versions will be available, well, the first version of the public beta will be avail available in uh, July 2019. And if, if they do it the same way that they did it last year, the public beta 1 will be roughly the same as the developer beta 2. So we'll be somehow one, one version behind the developer beta, but that means also a little bit more stable than the developer beta. If you, if you intend to, to try out iOS 13 or iPadOS 13, I would say do it on a secondary mobile device. So one that you don't rely on, especially for your business. So if you have that kind of mobile device that is compatible with iOS 13 or iPadOS 13, yeah, go ahead, but don't do that on your main uh, production uh, devices. Same advice for macOS, except that for macOS, depending on uh, how big your internal hard drive is, you could actually create a separate partition just for testing out uh, macOS Catalina. And if you don't have enough uh, internal storage uh, free to do that, you could use an external hard drive, uh, preferably an SSD, an external SSD uh, over USB 3 or Thunderbolt. But then it's still possible to install macOS Catalina on that external hard drive. And uh, when you turn on your Mac, you press the Alt button and you will be presented with the different uh, OS versions that are connected to the Mac and you can switch from your usually Mac, Macintosh HD from the external drive. For watchOS, uh, it's only for developers. So you will not be able to, touch, to test watchOS 6 unless you're, you're using uh, iOS 13, the developer beta version of iOS 13 on your iPhone. So yeah. And the problem also with watchOS is that you cannot restore your watch to a previous version of watchOS without giving, without the need to give your watch to Apple. So it's really, really only for developers. For the others, for, for iOS, the, the, the advice is, or the standard process is, you make a backup of your iPhone or your iPad on your Mac and you archive that backup. And then you try out the new version, the beta version, 
And if for some reason you, re you realize, no, no, it's too buggy, it's too unstable, the only process that exists right now is actually to erase the iPhone and the iPad and to restore the backup that you archived uh, previously. And so you will be, you will go back to where you were like, a few weeks or a few months before. And then once your iPhone and iPad will be restored, it will synchronize with all your various services, iCloud, uh, Dropbox, and so on. And yes, you will get current, but only for those uh, applications and services that sync over the internet. So, yes, so, yeah, should you install the beta version? If you're courageous and you don't need the device or you have a way to still keep uh, at least one device or one partition of your Mac on the current uh, version of, of the operating system. So if, if I could summarize all the announcements in one word, I would say it would be finally, a lot of finally. Finally, we have uh, some features that we were, that I was looking for in, uh, in the Files app, uh, mouse support and so on. Uh, and um, if I could also summarize the three main messages that Apple has sent during that keynote is that uh, first, they are doubling down on security and privacy across the board. Uh, second, they showed that they listen to their pro customer base, even if it represents a, mi a minority. And uh, third, they show that they are committed to helping developers create great experiences across all the, their platforms. So that's it for today. I hope you found this episode useful. As usual, the show notes are available at macpreneur.com forward slash episode 37, where you're more than welcome to provide feedback in the comments section. Actually, I'd love to know what fires you the most about what Apple announced at WWDC this year. And until next time, I'm Damien Schroes, wishing you a great day.